Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. It is Monday. August the 29th, 2022, it's the Feast of St. John the Baptist, and you, you, my friend, have survived the weekend. Congratulations. Praise be to God. You get to get back at it. I mean, just think about the productivity this week alone. It's going to be amazing. Speaking of which, we have some very incredible guests lined up for you this week. We're going to be touching base on January 6th. We're also going to be touching base on Tiananmen Square. All of that coming up this week, but today... We're going to be debunking the 1619 Project, exposing the plan to divide America. And then we're also going to talk about, uh, you know, uh, revising the revisionist history model with Dr. Mary Graybar coming up at 35 past this hour. At 15 past, we're going to sound the alarm on anti-Catholic violence that is uh, erupting all over the world. We'll share some new updates with you there. And then at the top of the next hour, here's a big fascinating question. What does the new cardinals, nuns, and UFOs all have in common? All right, you give up? BigPulpit.com. Tito Edwards is going to be our guest to tie all of those stories together for you at the top of the next hour. But you have to join us there if you'd like to find out more. Hey, heavily armed Antifa militants carrying, you know, those assault weapons, those AR-15 military-style assault weapons. Well, they were used to stand guard outside a Texas, air quotes, kid-friendly Drag show at the Anderson Anderson Distillery and Grill in Roanoke, Texas. The good news is now we know who not to uh, give our money to, uh, specifically Anderson Distillery and Grill in Roanoke, Texas. You don't ever go there. Hey, 20 new cardinals pay a visit to the Pope, you know, Benedict Sixteenth, and then... Francis also gives them a blessing. I'm, I'm teasing. It's a joke. It's a joke. But they all did get to go visit Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI. Hey, a staffer at the Children's National Hospital in Washington, D.C. told an undercover activist caller that the hospital subjects children 16 years old and younger to gender-affirming hysterectomies. We thought that was a Boston problem. Turns out it's also a nation's capital problem as well. Hey, a federal judge has upheld U.S. Marines' right to refuse COVID vaccines for religious reasons. Praise be to God and Semper Fidelis. Semper Fi, right, Adrian? That's, that's properly how you... Semper Fi. 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 Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. How are you, sir? <laughs> good morning, Joe. Adrian, can I get the five there? Uh, good, good. What a fascinating week- weekend it was. Uh, spent a lot of time with uh, my daughter. And, Praise uh, be to God. It was a wonderful time. What did you do this weekend? Uh, my grandson was made a Catholic. Praise be to Jesus. That was mm-hmm. very exciting uh, to see him being baptized. That's great. It's always a good time. Other than that, let's see, I had to fix a bicycle, learn to play the guitar, uh, spoken four different languages. Nothing really big. Oh. It was just kind oh, okay. of, you know. Um Pretty did, uneventful. Did you get to uh, learning how to fly a plane? And I put that off till next week. Uh, smart, smart. I would love to learn how to fly. A plane. Wouldn't you? <laughs> would you ever? Would you ever um, become a pilot? You know, that was the first career I wanted to go into. Really? Yeah, I wanted yeah. to be a pilot. Oh yeah. But then I realized there's not much pay there. 
uh, I better do something else. Mm. <laughs> I'm actually binging on the Wright Brothers right now, going through really? a, a Wright Brothers book, you know, and uh, watching a bunch of videos on the Wright Brothers. I mean, 1903. It's not that far ago. And we're like, we, we just launched a, another rocket to the moon for crying out loud. If you believe that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of believable, Adrian Fonseca, good morning to you again. Good morning. Yes. Praise be to God. I had a great weekend. Uh, yesterday was actually my father's birthday. Happy birthday. So we, uh, we celebrated yesterday. It was a good time. Uh, if you would offer a rosary for my father today, I'd be very grateful. Or if uh, you're like, Adrian, I don't know if I'm going to say a whole rosary. Well, if you offer one Hail Mary, I'd be very grateful. I'll be praying a rosary for everyone who uh, says a prayer for my dad today. So thank you in advance for your prayers. Mm, amen. Praise be to God. Happy birthday, Dad. You know, you don't have to offer a whole rosary. Just, uh, you know, five decades would be perfectly fine. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I agree. Five yeah, decades, five decades. Uh, meditating on the joyful mysteries. Um, that'd, be, that'd be fine. That's I'll allow that. Praise be to Jesus. All right, we have a lot to get into today. Do us a favor and share us with a friend, but let's pray. Let's get started. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning into Catholic Drive Time. Today is Monday, August 29th. The month's almost over now. And here are your headlines this morning. Reuters reports Belarus leader says his warplanes have been modified to carry nuclear weapons. Belarusian President Alexander Lukashenko says that his military's Su-24 warplanes have been modified to carry nuclear weapons and that Minsk would react immediately if the West caused any problems. Belarus, a Russian ally, does not have its own nuclear weapons. Lukashenko did not go into details about how weapons transfers from Moscow might take place, which is using Belarusian ter territory to mount what it calls a special military operation against Ukraine. Breitbart reports Waukesha massacre suspect removed from court after yelling at judge. Waukesha massacre suspect Daryl Brooks Jr., 40 years old, was removed from a pretrial hearing on Friday following an extensive verbal tirade on politics that disrupted his proceedings. Besides disruptions, Brooks was seen sleeping in the courtroom and expressed at one point that he was bored during Friday's proceedings. Brooks is accused of plowing his vehicle through a crowd of people, killing six and injuring 62 at the Waukesha, Wisconsin Christmas Parade on November 21, 2021. The accused murderer faces six charges of first-degree homicide and faces life in prison for each charge, along with 77 other charges. And the Washington Free Beacon reports forcing churches to pay for abortions is unconstitutional, California federal court rules. Three California churches represented by Alliance Defending Freedom in 2015 challenged the constitutionality of California's Knox Keene Health Care Service Plan Act of 1975, which mandates that companies including churches and other religious organizations include coverage for elective abortions in their employee group health plans. The U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of California on, on Thursday sided with the churches. The managed health care department decision to include religious organizations in the mandate came in 2014 following pressure from Planned Parenthood to fix the policy's religious exemptions to ensure that employers cannot de deny women coverage of abortion services. And Breitbart reports, attacker sets residences on fire and people and 
and shoots people as they flee the flames. An attacker here in Houston, Texas, set fire to residences shortly after 1 a.m. on Sunday morning, then shot and killed three people as they fled the flames. Houston Police Chief Troy Finner said Houston Fire Department arrived on the scene before police officers, but had to take cover after hearing gunshots being fired. And uh, those were your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is Saint Sebae. This prince was a son of Seward in the year 664, which was remarkable for a grievous pestilence, which began to reign over the East Saxons, who inhabited the country which now comprises Essex, Middlesex, and the greater part of Hertfordshire. He being the 10th king from Erequin, founder of that kingdom in 527, and the 6th from Sabert, the first Christian king, who founded St. Paul's Church in Thorny Abbey about the year 604. Seba was by his wise and pious government the father of his people and a perfect model of all virtues. And on the throne sanctified his soul by the most heroic exercises of austere penance, profuse alms deeds and assiduous prayer. When he had reigned happily and with great glory during thirty years, he reigned his crown, he resigned his crown to his two sons, Sigurd and Sinfrid, which he had long before desired to do, in order to be more at liberty to prepare himself for his last hour. His queen took the religious veil about the same time. Saint Seba received the monastic habit from the hands of Waldhare, successor of Saint Erkunwald and the bishopric of London whom he charged with the distribution of all his personal estates among the poor. Our saints seem to have death always present to his mind, and his grievous fears of that tremendous passage were at length converted into a longing, joyful hope. After two years spent in great fervor in monastic retirement, he died at London in holy joy about the year 697, having been forewarned by God of his last hour three days before. Bede assures us that his death was accompanied with many miracles and heavenly favors. His body was interred in St. Paul's Church and his tomb was to be seen there adjoining the North Wall to the Great Fire in 1666. His Latin epithet and extent in Weaver's funeral monument is as follows. Here lies Seba, king of the East Saxons who was converted to the faith by St. Erkenwald, Bishop of London in 677. A man very devout to God and fervent in acts of religion, constant prayers and pious alms deeds. He preferred a monastic life to the riches of a kingdom and took the religious habit from Walder, Bishop of London, who has succeeded Erkenwald. St. Seba, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. Today's gospel comes to us from Mark chapter 6, verses 17 through 29. Herod was the one who had John the Baptist arrested and bound in prison on account of Herodias, the wife of his brother Philip, whom he had married. John said to Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Herodias harbored a grudge against him and wanted to kill him, but was unable to do so. Herod feared John, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man, and kept him in custody. When he heard him speak, he was very much perplexed, yet he liked to listen to him. She had an opportunity one day when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his courtiers, his military officers, and the leading men of Galilee. 
Herodias's own daughter came in and performed a dance that delighted Herod and his guests. The king said to the girl, Ask of me whatever you wish, and I will grant it to you. He even swore many things to her. I will grant you whatever you ask of me, even to half of my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, What shall I ask for? She replied, The head of John the Baptist. The girl hurried back to the king's presence and made her request. I want you to give to me at once, on a platter, the head of John the Baptist. The king was deeply distressed, but because of his oaths and the guests, he did not wish to break his word to her. So he promptly dispatched the, an executioner with orders to bring back his head, and he went off and beheaded him in prison. He brought in the head on a platter and gave it to the girl. The girl, in turn, gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard about it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Notice how that uh, young girl embellished that request a little bit on a platter. That was not part of the Herodias's request. She added that herself, which should tell you something about her state in life at the moment. The Venerable Bede would say in the 8th century, for Herodias was afraid lest Herod should repent at some time or be reconciled to his brother Philip, and so the unlawful marriage be divorced. Close quote, Venerable Bede, pray for us. Saint Pope St. Gregory the Great, writing in the 6th century, said, I cannot without the greatest wonder reflect that he who was filled even in his mother's womb with the spirit of prophecy and who was the greatest that had risen amongst those born of women is sent into prison by wicked men, is beheaded for the death dancing of a girl, and though a man of so great austerity meets death through such a foul instrument, are we to suppose that there was something evil in his life to be wiped away by so ignominious a death? When, however, could he commit a sin even in his eating, whose food was only locusts and wild honey? How could he offend in his conversation, who never quitted the wilderness? How is it that Almighty God so despises in this life those whom he had so sublimely chosen before all ages, if it be not for the reason which is plain to the piety of the faithful, that he, will, that he thus sinks them into the lowest place, because he sees how he is rewarding them in the highest, and outwardly he throws them down amongst those despised, because he inwardly he draws them up, to incomprehensible things. Let each of them infer from this what they shall suffer whom he rejects if he so grieves those whom he loves. St. Gregory the Great, pray for us. Protestants often think that the difference in the Greek words for Peter's name, Petros, and the rock, Petra, in Matthew 16:18, is evidence against Peter being the first pope. But does this objection deal the death blow that Protestants think it does? Nope, and here's why. First, even in the Greek of the New Testament called Koine Greek, scholars recognize that there's no difference in meaning. In the IVP Bible background commentary, Craig Keener affirms that these two terms were cognate terms that were used interchangeably by this period. This view is supported by the fact that John tells us in John 1.42 that the Aramaic equivalent of Petros is Cephas, which means rock. So why the difference? Gender. 
Petros is masculine and Petra is feminine. It makes perfect sense that a feminine noun would not be used for a masculine name. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. It is here where you'll find the best marriage counselor, greatest healer, wisest teacher, and closest friend. It's a place where you'll escape the chaos of the world and find the lasting peace that only comes from God. Jesus is personally waiting to embrace you now with his divine mercy and healing love. Jesus is calling you home to his sacred heart today. I need a mercy. I need a savior. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Coming up at 35 past this hour, Dr. Mary Graybar is our guest, a research fellow at the Alexander Hamilton Institute for the Study of Western Civilization. We're going to be talking about two of her books. One was uh, debunking Howard Zinn. The other is debunking the 1619 Project. They're related, and uh, we're going to have that conversation coming up. So uh, join us if you can. Also at the top of the next hour, Tito Edwards from BigPulpit.com is going to be our guest. So join us for that as well. But there are... As I say, lots of stories in the news that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you as well. And uh, here's an article out of the National Catholic Register, sounding the alarm on anti-Catholic violence. Now, these are stories that we have been touching on uh, throughout Catholic Drive Time's history. And this week, in fact, uh, we're going to be covering in greater depth with a guest coming on Wednesday who was uh, one of the planners of the student protest in Tiananmen Square many years ago, which ended in a massacre on uh, from the communist government there. Uh, they're going to be in studio with us. We're looking forward to it. Uh, but here's a little bit of what this article out of the National Catholic Register uh, said. Andrea uh, Bayer is the, ar- is the author of this article. Here's what it says, quote, China's persecution of Cardinal Zen and Jimmy Lai in May 2022, Hong Kong authorities arrested 90-year-old Cardinal Joseph Zen based on his relationship as a trustee of the 612th Humanitarian Fund, an organization that provided financial and legal aid to those who were arrested during demonstrations in 2019 against a bill to allow political detainees in Hong Kong to be sent to the mainland for trial. The retired bishop of Hong Kong is a courageously outspoken advocate for religious freedom, democracy, and human rights. Hong Kong, once a free and prosperous international financial center, uh, thanks to a treaty signed between the United Kingdom and China in 1984, is now subject to the oppression of the Chinese Communist Party and is developing into an increasingly repressive society where no one... Resisting government tyranny is safe, including religious leaders like Cardinal Zen. Catholic News Agency reports that it appears that Cardinal Zen has not been indicted under Hong Kong's national security law, a violation of which could have earned him life imprisonment. Instead, his alleged crime was the failure to properly register the 612 Fund as an association. The Cardinal's trial will be held in September, just days before the Vatican is expected to announce the renewal of its deal with Beijing on the appointment of bishops for the mainland. Cardinal Zen has been an outspoken critic of Rome's uh, 2018 deal with Beijing, whereby the Pope gives the Communist Party the authority to nominate bishops. And by the way, 
Uh, that's going to be on the agenda for our conversation with our guest on Wednesday. Uh, these new uh, nominated uh, CCP-nominated bishops have given an oath of loyalty not to Jesus Christ, the Church, the faith, not even to the Pope. No, they gave their loyalty to the CCP and to to uh, Chairman um, Xi Jinping. So let that sink in. You almost said Mao, didn't you? I, I did. I was, <laughs> I was un poquito close. But Mao 2.0, is that fair? Could yeah. I, could I, is that being okay? I would say so. Yeah, Mao 2.0. All right. Uh, the article goes on to say, <laughs> meanwhile, Jimmy Lai, you might remember Jimmy Lai from Apple Daily, which was a shutdown. They're no longer in business, but they were like one of the very last sources of of uh, anti-fake news, of real news coming out of Hong Kong. But they were shut down after Jimmy Lai was arrested. And the article says, Meanwhile, Jimmy Lai, a high-profile Catholic, uh, rather, a high-profile Catholic convert and pro-democracy businessman, has pleaded not guilty to national security charges and will face a court panel of three judges handpicked by the Hong Kong government under sinister laws introducing introduced by Beijing that moved national security cases away from Hong Kong's long-established jury trial system. So lots of trouble in China. We know that. We've talked about it a bunch of times. You also might be familiar with the recent uh, ongoings of Catholic persecution in Nicaragua under the president and his witchcraft-practicing wife, who happens to also be the vice president in that country. Here's what the article says, quote, Nicaragua turns against the Catholic Church. On August the 19th, Bishop Rolando Alvarez of the Diocese of Matagalpa in Nicaragua was taken by police and thrown into jail. This outrageous act, which led to protests by Nicaraguans throughout the Americas, is the latest attack on the church by the Ortega government. The police have arrested seven other priests on bogus charges ranging from child abuse to disturbing the public order. Another Catholic priest, Father Urel Valeos, went into hiding after the police raided his parish's radio station and surrounded his residence for several days earlier this month. A radio station managed by Father Valeros was among several Catholic television and radio channels that have been shut down by the government recently. This week, Ortega's government silenced yet another Catholic radio station do not take for granted my dear friend the power of catholic radio to spread the good the true and the beautiful and the truth as hard as it may be to swallow for some catholic radio is a powerful means in a brave new digital world where where uh you know uh, we're being censored well what we can and cannot say all the time you got to love catholic radio so if you haven't if you are listening via digital means try tuning in in your radio station and get connected to your local Catholic radio station. It is very important to stay connected. The article goes on to say, Earlier this summer, Ortega's government outlawed the missionary order founded by Mother Teresa and expelled the order's religious sisters from the country. Their exile followed the expulsion in March of the Vatican's envoy in Nicaragua, Archbishop Valdemar uh, Somertag. EWTN News Nightly correspondent Owen Jensen recently raised the issue of the increasing persecution against Catholics in Nicaragua and White House Press Secretary uh, Jean-Pierre, reading from her press book, seemed oblivious to the fact that Ortega has essentially declared war against the church. Kind of reminds me of reading uh, sort of a, a letter by the USCC, USCCB, or what was at the time the you know the, the the precursor to the USCCB, the Conference of Bishops in America, during 
the uh, Cristeros War in Mexico in the 1920s and 30s. And the bishops were trying to sound the alarm of persecution against the church in Mexico to the federal government, who happened to be selling planes and guns and bullets to Mexico at the time, to the Patarcocaya's regime, which they were using against Catholics. The Vatican had to negotiate the peace treaty between the two sides because the Catholics just got sick and tired of being persecuted, sick and tired of not being having access to the sacraments, sick and tired of being told what they can and cannot believe. And then they finally took to arms and stood up. Well, is that how far we need to go? Do we have to go that far before cooler heads can prevail and wise people can use their gifts and talents to negotiate these things? Well, maybe it might have to come to that, especially in places like China and Nicaragua. But here's also what's going on in Nigeria. The article says, Religious sisters, seminarians, and priests in Nigeria, together with their Protestant fellow Christians, are under constant danger of kidnapping and torture. This past week, unknown gunmen abducted four nuns in Nigeria's Imo state. Thankfully, they were released two days later, praise be to God. The abduction happened while the sisters were on their way to Mass. Aid to the Church in Need uh, reports that 20 Nigerian priests have been kidnapped since the beginning of 2022. uh, Three of those priests have been killed. Earlier this summer, gunmen attacked St. Francis Xavier Catholic Church in Owo, Nigeria, killing at least 40 people and injuring scores more with bullets and explosives. The assailants, some of whom sat through the Mass pretending to be worshippers, sprang into action toward the end of the service, setting off explosives and firing bullets into the congregation. This atrocity was even more alarming because it marked the spread of religious violence, which plagues the middle stretch of the country, where Islamic northern Nigeria meets the Christian south, to a southern region previously relatively safe from such horrors. Nigeria is not only Africa's most populous and highly developed country, but also one of its most religiously unstable. If it descends into a war of religion, the consequences for the whole of Africa are unthinkable. Religion, especially Christianity, has always been a threat to tyrants and thugs, and today is no different. As Catholics, we must pray for the persecuted. And as Americans, we must demand that our president stand up to religious persecutors in defense of the inalienable right of all people to religious freedom. If he neglects that duty, a real possibility, judging by what seeming a different indifference of the State Department, then he will be engaging, he will be endangering rather the lives and prosperity of of people all over the world. I would take that a little step further. As uh, the one holy Catholic and apostolic church, the one church, the body of Christ, handed down by God incarnate, taken upon flesh, dwelling among man, given as a gift to humanity, spread throughout the world by his apostles and the bishops, their successors, we must stand up and defend our fellow brothers and sisters against such tyranny around the world. But we are not. We simply aren't. And the days of having access to uh, you know Christian nations and their armies to come to the rescue are long gone. Even in the 17th century, the 16th century, uh, the Battle of Lepanto. I mean, do you have any idea how hard it was to get Christians to actually come to the Holy League? It was incredibly impossible. France was in negotiations and treaties with the Ottoman Empire. Hungary uh, as well. 
it was an incredibly uh, difficult thing because Christian kings and princes were too busy fighting against each other for greed and power rather than defend Christendom itself. So it saddens me to see so much persecution around the world. These Catholics who have to live under such times and such difficulties, I guarantee they do not take Holy Mass for granted as much as we do. We have this gift, this beautiful gift. And as Shia LaBeouf so eloquently pointed out how deeply and profoundly it affected him, well, shouldn't it affect us the same? Let us not take for granted today this gift that God has given to us. But let us resolve ourselves to to give all we have to buy this treasure in this field, to give everything over for it, and pray fast and to do penance for these persecuted Christians in China, in Latin America, in Africa, and beyond, even on our own doorsteps. It is, it is coming. And I'll mention this one last story. And don't share my desktop with this one, Adrian, <clears throat> because it comes out of the Daily Mail, which is not one of my favorite uh, outlets. But, you know, I see all these videos popping up around uh, Twitter and, and social media of people being randomly punched, knocked, abused on the streets of New York mostly, but are also other places. It turns out that there's a game called the knockout game. I guess all the kids are doing this. Think about this. We live in a world where young people, mostly, think it's completely okay, funny even, to abuse and assault random people. Some of those people die, by the way. Others are left with traumatic head injuries and worse. I mean, the struggle to recover from that must be intense. The fear of just walking the street... We live in a world that is coming unhinged. Do you need more evidence of the signs of the times? What should we call? What are we called to do? Pray fast to do penance. And if we don't evangelize the world now, how many souls will be lost? That's on us. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. More Catholic Drive Time is coming up next. Instead of fighting the crowds, isn't it so much easier to hop online and do your shopping in the comfort of your own home? Did you know that you can help the Guadalupe Radio Network when you shop online? All you need to do is shop on Amazon Smile and 0.5% of your purchase goes to the GRN. Just go to AmazonSmile.com and select La Promesa Foundation as your nonprofit of choice. La Promesa is the parent company of Guadalupe Radio. It's that simple to give a little extra help to the Guadalupe Radio Network. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, the Catholic Church is just a bunch of rules and regulations and do's and don'ts and it's against freedom? G.K. Chesterton says, Catholic doctrine and discipline may be walls, but they are the walls of a playground. Freedom exists only within the rules. The greatest act of freedom is obedience, not disobedience. Breaking the rules never makes us happy and certainly does not make us free. God's rules are for our good, not to restrict us, but to protect us. That is how the truth makes us free. Chesterton says that while the church has established rule and order, the chief aim of that order is to give room for good things to run wild. You want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired, and now more headlines. Justin News reports, after Zuckerberg revelation, FBI says it routinely warns social media about malign influence. 
The FBI said it routinely notifies private companies, including social media platforms, of potential threats after Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg said Facebook decreased the distribution of the Hunter Biden laptop story right before the 2020 election because of a warning from the FBI. The FBI has absolutely no constitutional authority to decide what political information Americans should or shouldn't share, Representative Thomas Massey tweeted on Saturday. Zuckerberg should be embarrassed to admit he's a willing and compliant tool of the deep state, he said. The Epic Times reports over a thousand scientists and professionals declare there's no climate emergency. More than a thousand scientists and professionals worldwide have signed a world climate declaration stating that there's no climate emergency. Clintel was founded in 2019 by Emeritus Professor of Geophysics Gus Burkhout and science journalist Marcel Kroc to promote knowledge and understanding of climate change informing climate policy. They say, quote, We simply state that all evidence so far indicates that the increase in CO2 and the increase of temperature are not harmful for us or for nature, and therefore the climate hysteria surrounding the topic is totally unjustified, and that the cure, getting rid of fossil fuels ASAP and Replacing them with renewables probably would be worse than the, the disease of climate change, Crock said. And The Guardian reports they said it was impossible how medieval carpenters are rebuilding Notre Dame. The Gudelan project was dreamed up as an exercise in experimental archaeology 25 years ago. Instead of digging down, it has been building upwards, using only the tools and methods available in the Middle Ages, and wherever possible, locally sourced materials. Now in an unforeseen twist of fate, Gudelan is playing a vital role in restoring the structure and soul of Notre Dame Cathedral. After the fire, we there were a lot of people saying that it would take thousands of trees that we didn't have and that the wood would have to be dried for years and nobody even knew about how to produce beams like they did in the Middle Ages. They said it was impossible. We have 25 years of experience cutting, squaring, and hewing wood by hand. It's what we've done every day for 25 years. There are people outside of here who can do it now, but I tell you, they all come here to learn how. If this place didn't exist, perhaps the experts would have to say, no, it's not possible to reproduce the roof of Notre Dame. We've shown that it is. This isn't just nostalgia, they say. If, if Notre, no, Notre Dame's cathedral, uh, if their, their roof lasted for 800 years, it's because of this. There's no heart in sawmill wood, the organization said. Praise be to God. I hope they're uh, rebuilding it the right way. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Joining us right now via uh, telephone is Dr. Mary Graber. She's got a couple of books that I think are very fascinating and uh, well worth a read. One is uh, Debunking the 1619 Project, Exposing the Plan to Divide America. The other is Debunking Howard Zen, Exposing the Fake History that Turned a Generation Against America. Good morning to you, Dr. Graber. Good morning. Praise be to God. We're glad for your time today. I'd like to start with the Howard Zen book, if that's okay. I'd like you to mm -hmm. uh, tell me who is Howard Zen and how come he had such an impact on uh, on America and the world around us, and why should we care about what he has done? Yeah, Howard Zen. Well, um, just last week there was a celebration of his 100th birthday. Um, he died in 2010, but um, Howard Zinn uh, became a communist uh, in his teen years and was officially a member of the Communist Party USA um, during his early uh, and mid-20s and left the party probably on the instructions of the party bosses to go and infiltrate American institutions primarily 
uh, colleges where he taught as a history professor and wildly distorted history to the Marxist narrative and then in 1980 wrote a wildly popular book called The People's History of the United States, which has broken all sales records for a book of its type. Uh, it's being used in classrooms. Uh, the Zen Education Project, started by one of his students, makes lessons from the books and its spin-off books. Um, and it is still one of the uh, top sellers in uh, the history book category. But as I wrote in um, debunking Howard Zinn, uh, this is all based on a history that is distorted, that is plagiarized. He misrepresents what people say in his sources. He leaves out critical words. And um, so this is a history that is full of lies. And how prevalent is his uh, his work, his influence in education in classrooms today? Well, it's it's sort of become you know after forty two years, it's sort of become the accepted historical narrative. Uh, we're coming up on Columbus Day, and although he did not invent this. Uh, you know, myth that Columbus came and exploited the natives for gold and chopped off hands. He popularized it, and he took a great pleasure in having done that because it's part of his Marxist objective. And so, you know, more and more municipalities, um, states have uh, done away with uh, Columbus Day, who was a great hero, uh, and a man of faith, and are replacing that day with Indigenous Peoples Day. So that's a lasting legacy of Howard Zinn. And I might add that the Zinn Education Project has had this campaign uh, called Abolish Columbus Day. And there are pre-made lessons with sample letters for teachers to use in classrooms to lobby legislators in to, um, you know, do away with Columbus Day. Dr. Graybar, I have a question about his, uh, his ability to infiltrate um, a university. And uh, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about how, um, uh, who was behind uh, putting him in, into a place of learning like that. Was there uh, an undercurrent of other socialists or communist thinkers who were already uh, planning to take over these institutions at the time? Yeah, well, um, yeah, that's a great question. Um, so when Howard Zinn started teaching at Spelman College, which was a small Christian school for black women in Atlanta in 1956, um, there was a concerted effort by the Communist Party to have its members drop their official membership and go into, into institutions um, in education and so there were a number of party members who were who were infiltrating these colleges and other schools, and that's what Howard Zinn did. And then, of course, we had the 1960s, and he rode the wave of um, you know civil rights protest and anti-Vietnam War protest. So here he was, kind of an old-time um, Communist Party member who. Uh, adapted to the zeitgeist of the time of, you know, protest, um, 
changing uh, scholarship to make it activist. And so he uh, used that and infused, you know, already left-leaning, you know, sort of precepts into what was being taught. So what he does, um, you know, what he did in his lessons and what he does in his book is insert these Marxist ideas and principles uh, in, uh, and they seem more like, you know, just sort of common left-wing fodder, you know, like Mm. make, uh, you know, love not war and peace and all of that. But it's really communist propaganda that he used in the classroom and that he put into his um, A People's History of the United States, and I expose that in debunking Howard's in. It seems like our country, the world around us, was just hungry to eat this stuff up. Uh, why, why are they so anxious to embrace this Marxist ideology? Well, I think there's, um, you know, there are a lot of naive people out there who want to do good, and in the late 50s and 1960s, we saw that people were concerned about, you know, civil rights issues and wanted to join in ending discrimination, which is a noble goal, in my opinion. Um, but they were ignorant of the forces that were leading that protest, among them Howard Zinn. And, you know, rather than simply correcting a flaw, reforming the country, they were they became involved in an effort for revolution, and Howard Zinn explicitly rejects reform. He wants revolution. Mm. And um, so, you know, it, it kind of built up as a momentum. Uh, we, you know, we had the um, Frankfurt School infiltrating in the 1930s, and it's been an evolutionary process, you know, where, and I was in academia for 20 years, and I saw you know, how the hiring committees worked. They hired people of their own kind and, you know, sort of let the conservatives retire or wouldn't hire them in the first place. And each generation became more left-wing and more radical. Mm. Uh, And I suppose his work has paved the way for the 1619 Project as well. We're right up against a break here. Uh, so I want to launch into that right after this very quick break. We're talking with uh, Dr. Mary Graybar, who's got uh, a couple of books that you ought to check out. One is Debunking Howard Zinn. The other is Debunking the 1619 Project, both of which you can find on our website at marygraybar.com. That's G-R-A-B-A-R, marygraybar.com. But right after this very quick break, we're going to get into the 1619 Project and how this has led to a whole new generation of curriculum and revisionist history in the school near you. So don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time is going to be right back. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. What is the life expectancy of any human organization to exist under one rule of law? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the deceit of dominance. Kingdoms, empires, and societies all come and all go. Why? Moral decay, a blind eye, and defiance to the order of a civil society. Secondly, history. Kingdoms such as the Persians, the Greeks, the Ottomans, even the Roman Empire made it for around a thousand years, but soon they all find themselves failing, imploding, and 
finally splitting. Ah, but there's one that has survived, the Catholic Church, and under one rule of law. And thirdly, my take, a promise. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would infuse the apostles with a divine glue that would hold his church together. It is a human impossibility that the Catholic Church would persist through time, terror, and trouble. Well, the Rolling Stones have lasted 60 years, the Atlanta Braves about 150, the teetering Southern Baptists about 180, but we're still here 2,000 years later, and the best is yet to come. Find me online at Smarty Pants Catholic Evangelism. Hi, this is Dr. David Anders from EWTN's Call to Communion. I believe that the Ministry of Catholic Radio is one of the greatest tools we have in the Church for evangelism today. I hear from people all over the world on a daily basis who have encountered Christ in the Catholic Church for the first time by listening to Catholic Radio. Please support the Ministry of Catholic Radio today. Support Guadalupe Radio Network. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. We're having a conversation with a Dr. Mary Graybar. She is a research fellow at the Alexander Hamilton Institute for the Study of Western Civilization. We were talking about uh, debunk her book, Debunking Howard Zen, uh, but I want to get into debunking the 1619 Project. Uh, welcome back to the program, Dr. Graybar. Tell us, what is the 1619 Project? Yeah, well, the 1619 Project simply was a special issue of the New York Times Magazine that came out on August 18th, uh, 2019. And like a lot of the other um, commemorations that were published in various magazines and newspapers, it was intended to commemorate uh, the arrival of the first uh, 20 or so um, Africans on the shores of Jamestown. Um, however, it was a very ambitious project. It was intended to wipe out 1776 and replace our founding year with 1619. And the creator of that project, Nicole Hannah-Jones, advertised that on her Twitter account by having the crossed out 1776. So, uh, you know, rather than, uh, you know, you know, having the, you know, Declaration of Independence and our Constitution as sort of these guideposts, what was presented was this very distorted and dark history, mm. uh, a false history of 1619, of these enslaved Africans um, being exploited through the centuries to the present day. And it posits um, the idea that we were founded as a slaveocracy, and I'm using their term, uh, a slaveocracy that um, is still uh, in existence today. We still have not achieved, uh, you know, what it was we set out to do uh, to make men created equal, or to you know try to live up to that ideal but rather what we have is still a nation that subjugates and exploits people of color. Mm. And that was turned into a book that's uh, almost 600 pages long last <laughs> November. Um, so in debunking the 1619 Project, uh, my book, which came out in 2021, what I do is I expose the falsehoods of the 1619 Project and in my paperback edition, I have an appendix now, uh, about 35 pages long, 
which addresses the claims that are made about the hardcover book, which was published by Penguin Random House, um, you know, that it has a thousand endnotes, that, um, you know, it has, uh, you know, scholars who have peer-reviewed it and checked it out, and so, you know, there's no more reason mm. to question its hor- historical claims, and that's completely false, as I show in the appendix. You know, um, I was just thinking about how much Z- uh, Howard Zen's work really did pave the way to make it possible for a 1619 project to be rolled out, to continue to revise, historically revise the facts in order to fit an agenda and a narrative that they want. And then how many schools are embracing this as actual curriculum that they want to teach in the schools? Um, you know, and just thinking about the one issue of uh, the American Revolution, was it was it a fight to preserve slavery, to force England uh, into staying in the slave trade business? You know, that's part of the, the theory here. And I was just reading back on July 4th for our audience, um, Thomas Jefferson's own notes on his copy of his version of the Declaration of Independence and how uh, the uh, the Congress struck down parts of it that included his thoughts on the atrocity of the slave trade, laying at the foot of King George the crime of being involved in the slave trade. Um, why would we why would we ignore these things simply because uh, Thomas Jefferson had slaves? I mean, well, what gives us the right to revise the details? Well, there is no right to do that. Um, you know, if you are going to be a historian, you need to be honest and you need to, uh, you know, not leave out certain things. Uh, you shouldn't be, you know, twisting around history for an agenda of social justice. And that's sort of what Howard Zinn did. So before he published his, you know, best-selling A People's History of the United States, he wrote an essay in 1967 in honor of Herbert Marcuse, who was, um, you know, one of the uh, Frankfurt School uh, people who came here and distorted scholarship. So, um, you know, that sort of, uh, you know, led, you know, that was accepted. So we've got through the decades this this deterioration of historical standards, this increased acceptance of um, distorting history in order to meet social justice goals. Um, and over the decades, that has just grown in popularity. And in debunking the 1619 Project, I devote quite a bit of space to addressing these charges against Thomas Jefferson, among them the fact that he was a slave owner, and I try to provide the context. I include discussion of that passage that you just mentioned that uh, was stricken mm-hmm. from it against his objections, and I look at his life and how you know he was born into a society where slavery and servitude were the norm. Okay, so in the 18th century, uh, to be a free person, uh, you know, to be on your own economically was, you know, something novel. It was not, you know, a thing that we take for granted today. That wasn't the thing. And Thomas Jefferson hated slavery, and he struggled throughout his life uh, to find a way to end slavery 
without war because he could see that, you know, that there was a potential civil war coming and he thought, well, how do you do this? You know, uh, the world basically, you know, had accepted slavery as an institution. How do we as a new country end this institution? Doc, I have a question here. You know, up, up, up until this point, we've been talking about the U.S. And um, obviously, the U.S. has always been the target of uh, the socialist movement, of the communist movement, because the U.S. had been the crown jewel of the world. Uh, are there any other notable examples of things that are of the similar nature that are taking place around the world uh, that are similar to the 1619 Project outside of the U.S.? Um, I can't think of any. I mean, there is, you know, in England, there, you know, it has been in, you know, throughout, um, you know, the left-wing circles and in education, this anti-colonialism movement. But I, uh, I don't know of any, uh, you know, project, you know, mm. uh, that is similar against, um, you know, a country's founding. Mm. Um, as a matter of fact, I think the 1619 Project is being embraced around the world. You know, it's part of the continuous assault on America by Marxists and communists, uh, which has been going on since the early 20th century. And, um, and, it's, and it's quite ironic, you know, as you point out, that, you know, we are the talk target you know we've been the beacon of freedom and opportunity and equality equal rights um and those uh, who want a marxist regime need to knock down uh you know this beacon uh because they you know they want to institute their own kind of regime you know it's interesting that when you were saying that i was thinking about the fact that we there's a lot of talk about civil war and things like that happening in the US and the only thing that makes me think that it's plausible is the fact that we have nothing in common with our fellow man now and not to mention there's like the obvious things like transgenderism the legalizing of gay marriage all these different things that are happening but even more fundamentally as a as a nation we don't agree even on the date of our founding of uh, of our country. Uh, what do you think about the 1619 Project in relation to that? Yeah, well, you know, Howard Zinn would be delighted if he were still alive to know that. I mean, this this goes beyond his wildest dreams. This is the program he set in motion. Uh, you know, as I describe in debunking Howard Zinn, um, he attacked our founding call, you know, just said it was hypocritical, um, that, it, you know, we were founded uh, for the benefit of a few rich men, um, you know, who were around and to keep, uh, you know, the workers poor and to exploit the natives and the slaves. And um, so, yeah, this strikes at the very foundation of our nation. So you have two pivotal events, um, you know, the discovery of America by Christopher Columbus and then the founding of America mm. with the Declaration of Independence in 1776. So you've got, you know, a, a one-two punch um, that just topples the whole, uh, you know, idea of America, foundational mm. dates, foundational principles. And, you know, they've been working a long time at it and 
you know, as you know, as I I noted, I mean, uh, in the first chapter of debunking the 1619 project, uh, you know, I I noted the year before, it, you know, in, in 2019, the month before the project came out, you know, July 4th parades and celebrations, and no one could have imagined uh, eliminating the 4th of July. Right. Yeah. Right. And, it's crazy. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a, a milepost. Mm. Now that is put under question. Well, we are just about out of time here with uh, Dr. Mary Graybar, and I encourage you to check out her books, which are linked up on Amazon, but you can uh, certainly find them on her website, which is probably a better location, marygraybar.com. That's G-R-A-B-A-R, marygraybar.com. Uh, thanks for being on with us. I wish we had more time, but we're we're right out of time now. I mean, one of the questions I wanted to follow up with is, is there hope for the future? I mean, they're tearing down statues, revising history, and ignoring the fact that Africans are still being enslaved by Muslims in Northern Africa today, sold in the markets in Tripoli. And, uh, and yet here we are pretending as though that doesn't go on. It seems absolutely ludicrous, but uh, we just don't have time. God bless you, Dr. Mary Graybar. Thank you for your time today. Thank you. That's going to do it for our number one today. Praise be to God. Again, check out our website, marygraybar.com. Very grateful for our insightful guests uh, today. Tomorrow, we're going to talk to a man who is facing 20 years in prison for trying to bring peace between people who are rioting and people who are trying to stop them. What happened on January 6th there? We're going to talk to a guy who's at the very epicenter of the most intense action that day tomorrow on the program. Also, coming up after this uh, top of this hour and this break, Tito Edwards from BigPulpit.com. Join us online, GRNOline.com. This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. When it comes to screens and our kids, we parents have a default response. Turn it off and go outside. But have we ever given that advice to ourselves? The first step in helping our children manage technology is to look at our own use of screens. I have to ask myself, how much time do I spend on my phone? Am I spending all my evenings on the computer? Am I a good model for my child or teen when it comes to screens? The time suck of technology is one of the major concerns that parents bring to us. And the first thing we tell them is that we parents have to start with ourselves. If it's a challenge for us to limit technology, how much more challenging will it be for our children, tweens, and teens? Our own struggle should give us empathy with them as we help them manage the challenge of technology. To download our free and newly updated resource on screens and your kids, visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Do you really believe in a secret catching away of the church called the rapture? The pages of your Bible are empty of that type of talk. So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, solid biblical doctrine is time-tested. This rapture idea got its wheels rolling by John Darby in about 1830. I mean, have you heard of a third coming? You know you haven't. 
Secondly, God's nature. There's no reasonable premise in Scripture, let alone in moral reasoning, for the results of a rapture scenario such as this. A Christian pilot is yanked, raptured, out of his jet, while scores of the remaining passengers who are not Christians violently crash to their death. Meanwhile, said pilot is basking in the presence of God. This is absurd, and believe me, this is preached day in and day out. Thirdly, bad fruit. The preacher at your church says, Tonight, don't you be left in that pew alone while that person next to you gets raptured straight up into heaven. That, my friend, is folly with no foundation. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox. Hi, I'm Ann Quatraini, the principal from St. Francis de Sales Catholic School. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. Good morning. Especially good morning to our CDT insiders hanging out with us on our private chat on Telegram. Good morning to you, Jay Coke. Praise be to God. Glad to see you there, my friend. I see Joshua Knoll and Nick the Mike is over there. Luz, good morning to you. And Tammy, our friend from uh, Florida. Damon is there. Good morning to you. Becky Hernandez, good morning to you. Clarissa, praise be to Jesus. Thanks uh, for hanging out with us today on the CDT Insider Chat. We like to chat with you as much as we can. And we'll be doing that in the after show, by the way. And we're hanging out live on uh, YouTube right now. We're on Twitter. We're on two places on Facebook. And then, of course, we're also on uh, Rumble. And then we're on LinkedIn and Odyssey as well. So plenty of places for you to hang out. And you get to interact directly with us and tell us what you want to discuss. You get to drive that conversation in the after show, which is the second half of this hour. So if you would like to do that, you can always watch us live on our website, but you can comment on one of these feeds. And all of them are linked up on our website at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. You know, I was uh, amazed, Rudy. Over the weekend, uh, we had that conversation about Shia LaBeouf mm-hmm. on uh, on Friday in his interview with Bishop Robert Barron. Amen. And I took that conversation, I put it on YouTube, and it absolutely blew up over the weekend. Um, it drove sixty, almost sixty-two thousand views. It peaked at at eighteen percent click through rate. I think my highest ever previous to this was like twelve. That's amazing. It was like twelve percent or something. <laughs> so eighteen percent. Now it's down to normal. It's like twelve point six percent. So and the coolest part was th- this video was trending under Bishop Barron's video. That's how it got so much traffic. Oh wow! So and uh, you know that uh, super awesome thumbnail we you and I. Work collaborated on. Well, that paid off big. Nice. It drove uh, some 700 subscribers just in this wow. one video alone. It just it amazed me over the weekend watching it how much interest the world had in yeah. the Shia LaBeouf story. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that too, and uh, there seems to be a trend every time uh, a celebrity or somebody mm. with a lot of influence seemingly yeah. uh, converts to Catholicism. There's always articles about it, and I, I was thinking, you know, maybe the reason why things like this get so much traction is because the world understands, like, maybe if mm. they're doing it, 
there's something here. Hope for me too. <laughs> there's there's some hope here in the world other than yeah. this like really depressing uh, life that we have without yeah. God. Yeah, if God's mercy is that great, then there's hope for me too. Exactly. Praise be to God. You know, uh, it is interesting to see so much conversation. I did watch another interview over the weekend from Shia LaBeouf. But this one was not with Bishop Barron. This one was a completely different person. In fact, it was with an, an actor from Hollywood who's been in major, major movies, this other actor. Um, his, his first name is John. And uh, John has this podcast, and the two of them, and they seem to be friends. And so they, they were talking about, you know how in Bishop Barron's conversation, Shia talks about having the gun out on the table? Mm, he yes. only vaguely hints at it. Mm-hmm. Well, in this other conversation, it's like, much more detailed and very explicit language, by the way. So Shai is very, very good to not curse during his interview with the bishop. So that, mm-hmm. that's smart. But um, but he talks about how how bad it was for him and how uh, he got involved in this uh, AA group that was meeting by Zoom and how he was sent off to rehab and and then that ultimately that group led him to uh, making the Padre Pio movie. Uh, there is some commentary about uh, him depicting Padre Pio as cursing. At a woman, mm. uh, I've read several bios. I have books, b- books upon books upon books of Padre Pio on my shelves at the house. I've heard him chase people out of the confessional, but always for a good purpose in order to get them to repent. I've never heard him actually use a curse word. If he, if that's true, that's news to me. So. Yeah, I, <laughs> I hope they don't do that for yeah. for a creative license in that film. Yeah, yeah, I saw that, and my my reaction was. I just doesn't. It doesn't seem like that's that's true. If it is true, then it's true. But right, if it's yeah, not, I mean, then like, it's not. And I, I don't want it in there with creative license if it's not true. I find it hard though that we've never. I've never seen a, I a reference never, to something like I've, that. I've I've heard that he that he used very strong language and that he chastised people and he would yell at people. I've heard that, but I've never heard him say that he used curse words. Right. Yeah. That's the thing that I'm like. Mm, I don't, it doesn't sound. It doesn't. It doesn't feel, and maybe like that's like the word mm-hmm. that he used that is a real word he used, but they yeah. translated it into English, yeah. and that's the closest approximation to know. English. I yeah. don't know. I'm I just trying to hey, piece it out. Like I said, I want the movie to be great. I love St. Padre Pio. I want, uh, I want this incredible journey of uh, the Shia LaBeouf is on to be amazing and, and fruitful, and praise be to God. But I wouldn't. I don't think I'd like to see Padre Pio cursing in a lady. Yeah, me neither. Uh, all right, let's go to our friend Tito Edwards from BigPulpit.com. Joining us now by Zoom chat, uh, real quick, really quick. What was your thoughts of the Shia LaBeouf story, Tito Edwards? Well, uh, I'm. It's uh, the the story is great. Uh, I like it. Uh, it's unfortunate that the the church gets this kind of coverage only when secular celebrities uh, are in the limelight. But I will take it. <laughs> um, on the other note, I, if I saw the trailer for the movie. And I have three thoughts that I'd like to share. One is, yes, uh, I, I've read a lot about Padre Pio. He's never cursed. He's used strong language right. in confessional, but never a curse word. I agree with Adrian on that. Number two, it's, I, I hope I'm wrong, but there seems to be a lot of sympathies to the Communist Party in Italy in the trailer that I saw. Mm. And number three, the production value looks subpar. I, and and so I, I don't know. So far, all the signs looks like it's not going to be what I hope it is, which we all hope it is. Yeah. And uh, and the director is uh, a, a, a uh, arty, artsy noir 
director that's an art house film. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be an yeah, art house film, which is not the same thing as a Hollywood film. Uh, but again, I, I, ho- I hope and pray for the best. But we'll let you know when we get to see it what we really think. But uh, let's jump to the Cardinals. You know, I got I did notice over the weekend that the new Cardinals went to visit the Pope and got a blessing, and Pope Francis also blessed them as well. A little, yeah. a little, <laughs> little Benedict the Sixteenth humor. There. It's, just, it's, a, it's a joke. It's just a joke. But they did go Getting visit the, the Pope. I gave blessings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so. Y'all heard it here first. Joe is a set of privationists. No, I'm not. I'm teasing. I'm just having a laugh. Uh, but Pope Francis did bring the 20 new cardinals over to see Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, and they, they gave a blessing, and they sang the Salve Regina. I would have loved to have been in the room to hear that. That would have been pretty yeah. fun. You know? <laughs> that, that would have been beautiful. I, seeing Pope Francis and Baby Yoda singing Salve Regina, that would be awesome. Especially considering the average age of a cardinal is 78 years old. I wonder how that went down. But uh, speaking of stats, uh, I see on BigPulpit.com you have an article linked up on cardinal stats and charts. Tell me what that says. It's explaining how many uh, total cardinals there are, how many of those cardinals are eligible to vote in in a conclave if one should come up. And it breaks down the youngest and the oldest and the number of type and the number of cardinals there are and the average age. Uh, David Cheney, who operates David's Ruminations, is one of the oldest blogs out there, and he rarely posts anything. But when he posts, he posts when there's a consistory on cardinals or on conclaves or anything to do with bishops in general. So highly informative. I'm glad that you found you, that, that uh, you noticed that. And everybody is complaining about how many cardinals there are. And you're only allowed to have 120, and there's more than 120 available cardinals, uh, elector cardinals. Now, uh, that, that may be true, but uh, in one year, a little over a year from now, uh, many of those cardinal electors will have retired, reaching the age of retirement, and it, it will be exactly 120 on September 23rd, on the day of Padre Pio of all days, 2023. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, the rumors keep sp- spinning about uh, Pope Francis may retire. Do you think this is all scheduled to, to, to happen so that on the 23rd we get a retirement notification and there's a conclave with a precisely 120 electors. What do you give to these rumors that are flying about? I, I, I think uh, there might be some truth behind it. Personally, I, I think he wants to retire uh, and uh, he's going to give himself a year. Uh, but from my understanding, I, his health is much worse than uh, appears to be, and he may not even finish the year. Mm. So let's all pray for him, and hopefully he uses it to good good use to for his soul, and uh, we can all meet with him in heaven whenever that time comes. Let's talk about a different story I saw linked up at BigPulpit.com. Nuns reveal hidden truth about the Roswell UFO crash. I seem to hear some a certain type of music in my ear there, Adrian. Uh, hmm. What was it? What is that? What is that show again? Uh, do, 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 oh, he doesn't even have it ready. <laughs> the Twilight where's Zone. Your, where's your button for uh, with the the, the uh, what was that television show about the the X Files? The X Files. <laughs> Thank you. Fantastic like, show, by the way. I was trying to figure out what you're referring to. I was like, uh, 
Ah, oh, UFO moment, and we missed there it. There you go. But anyway, what is the nuns reveal? What are they? What are they revealing about the UFO Roswell crash thing? They were all abducted. Oh, there's something even more miraculous going on in Roswell, and that is that Jesus came to us on Earth to redeem, to uh, open heaven for us and offer salvation. And a year after the Roswell incident. Uh, and I didn't mean to put that in square quotes. I'm just getting ready for the UFO portion of it. <laughs> um, that they, they were there. The, the bishop invited them over, the poor Claire's, and uh, they've been there ever since. And uh, and that's about it. It's just a contrast that pe- people that don't have God are always searching for something, yes. something greater than themselves. And, and, and it's right there in front of us. Mm-hmm. Jesus came over 2000 years ago yeah. uh, to, for our salvation. And that's the beautiful thing that's going on in Roswell. That's not spoken of about mm. enough. You know, it's interesting because I was, I'm getting ready to make a road trip. I'm, um, I'm going on a mission trip to Flagstaff, Arizona to be a part of a, a men's retreat, um, helping to lead it. And um, I was thinking about stopping by Roswell on one of my legs, either coming or going. And uh, hmm, I just thought it'd be kind of interesting. So I saw this headline today and I thought that's fascinating. You know, and I think to your point, we do live in a world where we are constantly searching for everything but. It's like we have our back to the church and we're looking away instead of turning around I'm looking to. And over the weekend, I watched a movie on Formed uh, about Dunn Scotus and about his famous debate uh, where he d- debated the uh, Immaculate Conception against the, the Dominicans. Nobody tell Adrian, okay, but he won. Uh, nonetheless, uh, and I rem- just in this movie, he beautifully depicted his prayer life being so in, in, uh, in so caught up into intimacy with our Lord in the Holy Eucharist in particular. And I just thought how fascinating that is, given a world that rejects the contemplative, rejects the sacred, rejects the beautiful. What say you, Tito Edwards? I, I agree. The, the, we're searching. It is written in our hearts, looking for something greater than ourselves. And unfortunately, people looking at uh, unidentified flying spaghetti monsters, <laughs> uh, celebrities, um, uh, <clears throat> spirituality, and yoga. Uh, it, it's just incredible how how people just miss the the forest for the woods, yeah. or is it the woods for the forest? So uh, when Jesus was right there, He came to us almost two thousand years ago, and, uh, and and walked the earth and preached the the word of salvation. Amen it's, to it's, that. It's a sad thing. Yeah, praise be to God. So it's it's beautiful to see contemplative uh, habited nuns. You know, embracing the good, the true, and the beautiful for a world that's desperate to, to find that message. So let's pray for them. Uh, but all right. So last question: uh, What else is uh, linked up at BigPulpit.com that you might or we might find surprising? Uh, a, a lot of people are giving their uh, reflections, their their commentary on the thirty cardinals that were ele- uh, created on the consistent story. Uh, if I can't Easy speak English this morning. 
Yeah, I know. I, I know. So <laughs> I would suggest people going over there and looking over at that. I want to add on a completely different tangent that if you're going to Flagstaff, maybe you want to drive through I-40 through to uh, Albuquerque and take a, a shortcut yeah, to will. Santa Fe. That's definitely going to be on the agenda, the St. Joseph Staircase, maybe even the Our Lady Guadalupe Shrine, too. All right, we're out of time. Tina Waverts, BigPulpit.com. Thank you for your input today. All right, coming up after this quick break, it's time to play Fear and Trembling with new prizes. Call now, 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. I have a friend who says that baptism is a symbolic act and that it has nothing to do with salvation. How can I answer him? Simple. Show him what the Bible says. Nowhere does the Bible say that baptism is merely a symbolic act. That passage simply does not exist. But the Bible does say this about baptism. In Ezekiel 36, verses 25 to 27, it says, I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses. A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will put my spirit within you. Here in the Old Testament, we have a foreshadowing of New Testament baptism. In the New Testament, Acts 2, verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. No symbolic language here. The book of Acts says, Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Ezekiel says, I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from your uncleannesses. The book of Acts says, And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Ezekiel says, And I will put my spirit within you. Do you begin to see how God in the Old Covenant was preparing us for what He gives us in the New Covenant? Acts 22.16 And now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 13 For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. What body was that? The body of Christ. 1 Peter 3.21 Baptism which corresponds to this now saves you. Scripture simply does not support the non-Catholic notion that baptism is symbolic. Scripture does, however, very clearly and directly support the Catholic teaching that baptism saves us, that baptism makes us members of the body of Christ, that baptism washes away sin, and that through baptism we receive the Holy Spirit just as the church teaches. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, a Catholic trivia game show that has secrets and agendas. You're just not allowed to tell anybody. You see what I'm saying? But what we need most, more than me just revealing all my secrets to you, is so that you can dime us out online, for instance, uh, is uh, a call on the line, a contestant to play our game. And the phone lines are wide open. Adrian Fonseca standing by to take your call right now at 877-757-9424. That phone number is 877-757-9424. If you've never played, what an opportunity to win prizes this week. It's super fun. It's super easy. 
at 877-757-9424. If it's been a while, you can call back. 877-757-9424. First caller gets to play the game. But there are, like I say, things that we try to keep on the down low here. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you just might learn something that you did not know before. Praise be to God. And um, you're going to learn at least one thing today. I'm just, I'm just, you might know the other two, but you're going to learn at least one thing today. And then, of course, we like to have a laugh. We like to have a good time. We like to have fun with our callers, but they have to call. 877-757-9424. Phone number is 877-757-9424. Call right now, 877-757-9424. But the, the kicker is we give out prizes, making it you know sort of a winner for everybody. But we don't ask the caller the questions. They may not know a single correct answer, but could still win. And that's because I don't ask them. I'll ask Rudy. I will ask Adrian, one of which will give us a correct answer. The other will give us an incorrect answer. The caller will then have 15 seconds to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And every correct answer will then go into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? we got to have my mic on there. Praise be to God. Our sponsor this week is Catholic. Uh, I'm just kidding. We're not sponsoring this week's show. Actually, Saints of Heart is, which is a local jewelry manufacturer, or rather a jewelry craftsperson here in, in Houston, so they're local to us. And the winner this week is going to receive one of their beautiful pieces of jewelry featuring sacred imagery, such as the three hearts. What are the three hearts? The sacred heart, the immaculate heart. And the Chase Heart of St. Joseph. She's got some really wonderful pieces on her website. Take a look at her store, saintsofheart.com, for wonderful Catholic gifts for him and her. Personally, I really love their ties. They have a Sacred Heart tie, 100% silk. You know me. Mm-hmm. I'm all about mm-hmm. silk. Is that a, uh, are you wearing one now? Or? I am not. I just noticed you are, in fact, wearing a tie today. <sighs> yes, it's a mm-hmm. chocolate yeah. with uh, some sort of weird cloud pattern. Chocolat. With uh, foulard pattern, ooh, yeah. Some say marshmallow. Oh yeah, that could be marshmallow. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna call it my s'mores tie. <laughs> s'mores this is my s'mores tie. Here we go. All right, uh, praise be to God. Let's go to the phones. Maria, good morning to you. Hi. Praise be to God, Maria. Thanks for being on our show today. Where are you calling from? Well, I'm driving in Houston right now. I am so sorry. Is it raining? Oh, <laughs> my deepest uh, condolences really to you, well. Maria. <laughs> It is. Uh, you know, they send people, they send penitents to Houston to have to drive on our highways just to make up for the <laughs> sins they commit in other parts of the country. I don't know if you knew that, but it's yeah. true. Uh, it's true, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Where do you go to church, Maria? Uh, St. Simon and Jude up in the Woodlands. I am familiar with it. Uh, fascinating fact. I attended the very first Mass ever said in that sanctuary uh, it was a Christmas Eve mass, if I'm not mistaken. It was like umpteen billion years ago, it feels like now. Uh, but we were visiting. I didn't even live in Houston at the time. We were visiting, and we went to mass there. It just happened to be. Oh, wow. Fun fact. Yeah. I was not there. It's true. That's true. I wasn't either. <laughs> I recently attended St. Maximilian Colby. Sure. Yeah. And they have a beautiful church as well. Yeah, praise be to God. Well, Maria, we're grateful that you're on our show today. Are you familiar with the rules? <laughs> No, not at all. Okay, well then, I you, rule number one: I'm on your side. Mm. Okay, <laughs> no, don't, don't believe him. Don't believe him. 
that we have to watch out for. Okay, uh, but okay. here's the deal. I have three Catholic trivia questions. I will not ask you these questions. You don't need to know the answers. I will ask Adrian, and I will ask Rudy. One of them will give you a correct answer. The other will be incorrect. You will have 15 seconds to decide who do you trust more, Rudy or Adrian. You ready? Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Praise be to God. We will start with Team Rudy, as is our custom, our tradition, our church-approved patrimony. Good morning to you, Team Rudy. Good morning. Tie and all. Tie and uh, all. Tylenol? Tie and all. Oh. Not Tylenol. Oh. But, uh, are you ready, sir? I am ready. Praise be to God. Are you sure? Yep. Are you Are you really sure? Uh, yeah, I think so. so. Mm-hmm. Let's see here. Uh, could you tell me to whom did the BVM... Or as the kids say, the Blessed Virgin Mary, uh, declare that she was the Immaculate Conception in Lourdes, France, in the year 1858. 1858. Um, well, it was just a group of people filling up water from a grotto. Is that right? You know, back in those days, they didn't have plumbing in that oh, part of France. So uh, people had to go and get water, and that's how they would cook and shower and all that stuff. That's why they had kids, because who wants to get your own exactly. water? Exactly. That's, that's why you have kids in the first place. Right. Okay. Makes sense. All right. Uh, Adrian, maybe you could tell me, uh, to whom did the Blessed Virgin Mary declare that she was the Immaculate Conception in Lourdes, France, in the year 1858? Mm-hmm. Well, for one, she did not appear to Blessed Duns Scotus. Um, instead, no? she appeared what? to uh, St. Bernadette. Oh, yes. I, see. Mm-hmm. I, see. I see. Okay, so your answer being St. Bernadette. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure how Scotus got involved in that, but okay. I have no All idea. Right. All right, uh, Maria, in uh, Houston traffic, God bless you for doing that. But uh, here's your choices. Uh, who did Our Lady appear to in 1858 in Lourdes, France? Was it St. Bernadette, as Adrian seems to think, or was it some uh, random group of people filling up water in a grotto, uh, as Rudy is suggesting? Fifteen it seconds on the clock. Adri- uh, Adrian was right. It was St. Bernadette. <laughs> oh, wow. You didn't, Can't trick her. Didn't even no curveballs for you, Maria. Now you broke rule number four. By the way, rule number four states that if you have to admit Adrian is correct, you should not do so so confidently. Don't believe him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, don't believe him. Don't believe anything he says. Clearly, you are a wise, beautiful young lady because you have admitted that I am correct. <laughs> Nonetheless, you are in fact correct, and it is Saint Bernadette whom she appeared to in 1858. All right, you're in the cup. You could win, but let's see if we can't double your chances we're gonna go to adrian first for this one good morning to you adrian good morning good morning praise be to god can you tell me are catholics allowed to be a member of rainbow girls rainbow girls that sounds like a lot of fun i mean i guess if you're a catholic male you can't but if you're a catholic girl of course you can are you sure i'm sure okay okay makes me wonder uh, Rudy, what could you possibly say here? Rudy, could you tell me, are Catholics allowed to be a member of Rainbow Girls? Absolutely not. No. The Rainbow Girls is a young, uh, it's like a youth group or something okay. for mm-hmm. Masonic girls. So oh. definitely not. Gee. You cannot be a Freemason to be Catholic. I see. Okay. Well, uh, Marie, you got choices. Are Catholics allowed to be a member of the Rainbow Girls? Uh, Rudy says no, definitely not. Churches uh, condemn Freemasonry. But Adrian says, sure, why not? As long as you're not, uh, if you, you have to be a girl, I suppose. But other than that, Adrian seems to be completely okay with it. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Maria, what say you? Rudy. Rudy is right. <laughs> 
Oh. You just broke rule number five. I'm just kidding. Oh, there, there's no rule number five, just so you know. All right, you are correct. Uh, the answer is no, because of its connection to Freemasonry, which the church has condemned Lots and has done so repeatedly, condemning all the Freemasonics. All right, uh, praise right. be to God. You're in for two. You could have a perfect score here, but I'm going to say this next one has proven in history to be tricky. So, oof. okay. Back yeah. to Rudy. Back to Rudy. Rudy? I know you weren't a tie Deep today. Breath. I know you weren't a tie today, but let's just try to take this one step at a time. Hard to breathe in here. Is piety one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit? I don't know about you, but I love pie. But, I uh, do too, man. Uh, no, it's Crush not. Watch me some pie. No, I'm going to say no. No? No. The, piety is not, you're saying, no, a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Okay. It depends uh, on what kind of fruit which, you put in the pie, but really actually, no. Let me not let me not be confusing. I'm just going to say no. No. No is your answer. All right. Adrian, um, could you tell me, is piety one of the fruits of the Holy Ghost? Uh, yeah, of course it is. That comes from the Holy Ghost, right? Are you saying that just to be opposite to Rudy? I don't know. Uh, maybe. <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny. I see. All just right. Like Maria, you got choices. Piety. Is it a fruit of the Holy Ghost? Adrian says yes. And Rudy says no. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Yes. Yes. No. Piety. I'm so sorry. I'm actually, an answer is no. What? No, <laughs> no. Piety is a virtue. Piety is a virtue. Yeah. It's not a, oh, not a fruit. It's a virtue. Yeah. yeah. So, it, therefore, it should be a it should be. Yeah, I, no, I, they're the gifts of the Holy yeah. Spirit, fruits of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Then okay. there are the theological virtues, yeah. and it gets a, it's a whole bunch oh, of things. Oh, I'm sorry, Maria. But <laughs> the good news is you're in for two. And praise be to God, you could win. It may be God's holy will, but you're going to tune in Friday. Friday is when we uh, we pull the, the name out of the coffee cup of divine providence. Now, most people don't know, but we have a cup here that is divinely inspired, and we can always know God's will by pulling a name out of it somehow, some way. It is protected right. under lasers and and uh, guards and everything else here in the studio. But uh, Friday, it could be your name coming out of that cup. You'll have to find out. But Maria, God bless you. God love you. Safe travels on on Houston streets. They're kind of crazy, as you know. Almost there. All right. Well, we're going to be praying for your day today. And again, thanks for being on with us. I want to put you on hold so we get your number just in case. But that is going to do it for the radio side of our show. Tomorrow on the program, we have a very important guest, a man facing 20 years in prison for being at the epicenter of the January 6th deal. That's going to be a very good conversation. Luke Coffey will join us. And then, of course, uh, we're going to have more interesting conversation with the headlines, guests, game shows, and more. But if you would like to conversate directly with us, I'd like to do that. Go to our live video feeds and comment. You can find them linked up at grnonline.com forward slash C-D-T. God bless you. God love you. See you back here tomorrow. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to Facebook.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel.
Today we celebrate the memorial of the martyrdom of St. John the Baptist. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. O my soul, praise him, for he is thy health and salvation. Join the great throng, psaltery, organ, and song, sounding in glad adoration. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord, our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Christe Eleison, Christe Eleison, Kyrie Eleison, Let us pray. O God, who willed that St. John the Baptist should go ahead of your son, both in his birth and in his death, grant that as he died a martyr, martyr for truth and justice, we too may fight hard for the confession of what you teach. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Jeremiah. The word of the Lord came to me thus. Gird your loins, stand up, and tell them all that I command you. Do not be crushed on their account, as though I would leave you crushed before them. For it is I this day who have made you a fortified city, a pillar of iron, a wall of brass, against the whole land, against Judah's kings and princes, against its priests and people. They will fight against you, but not prevail over you. For I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I will sing your salvation. I will sing your salvation. In you, O Lord, I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your justice, rescue me and deliver me. Incline your ear to me and save me. I, I will sing, sing your salvation. salvation. Be my rock of refuge, a stronghold to give me safety. For you are my rock and my fortress. O my God, rescue me from the hand of the wicked. I will sing your salvation. For you are my hope, O Lord, my trust, O God, from my youth. 
On you I depend from birth. From my mother's womb you are my strength. I will sing your salvation. My mouth shall declare your justice, day by day your salvation. O God, you have taught me from my youth, until the present I proclaim your wondrous deeds. I will sing your salvation. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Herod was the one who had John the Baptist arrested and bound in prison on account of Herodias, the wife of his brother Philip, whom he had married. John had said to Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Herodias harbored a grudge against him and wanted to kill him, but was unable to do so. Herod feared John, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man, and kept him in custody. When he heard him speak, he was very much perplexed, yet he liked to listen to him. She had an opportunity one day when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his courtiers, his military officers, and the leading men of Galilee. Herodias' own daughter came in and performed a dance that delighted Herod and his guests. The, girl, the, the king said to the girl, Ask of me whatever you wish, and I will grant it to you. He even swore many things to her. I will grant you whatever you ask of me, even to half of my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, What shall I ask for? She replied, The head of John the Baptist. The girl hurried back to the king's presence and made her request. I want you to give me at once, on a platter, the head of John the Baptist. The king was deeply distressed, but because of his oaths and the guests, he did not wish to break his word to her. So he promptly dispatched an executioner with orders to bring back his head. He went off and beheaded him in the prison. He brought in the head on a platter and gave it to the girl. The girl, in turn, gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard about it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We celebrate really the end, the beginning, of this wonderful man, the precursor to Jesus' coming, the one who would announce when he came and who would point him out. And John the Baptist is going to, obviously gives his life in witness for Christ, even though we don't call him to say the proto-martyr that belongs to St. Stephen. Um, John the Baptist really did give his life in, for Christ. And uh, as soon as John the Baptist gets out of the way, so to speak, then, it's, then Christ takes up the same message of John the Baptist, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and, and, be, and then continues his public ministry. When you look at the gospel, especially uh, the gospel of St. Luke, we see this really amazing parallel between these two men. 
St. John the Baptist and the one whom he's going to announce, Jesus. Their, the account of their conception or, as, is, or the announcement of their birth is very, very similar. And, and yet there's something completely different about these two. John the Baptist is not the voice, or not the word. He is the voice proclaiming, announcing that the word is coming and will point him out. But he is not the one. He's not even fit to untie the sandals of the one who is coming. Uh, but his holiness seems to radiate uh, out from him. And many people actually thought that St. John the Baptist might have been the Messiah. It is only really his great humility in his mission where he's able to point us, I'm not the one who's coming. Imagine if everybody thought that we were some famous rock star or something, wouldn't we at one point like to say, yeah, you know, we start signing their signature and saying, yeah, I'm, I'm the one, and we get all this fame and attention. But John the Baptist, he, he always turned it out towards Christ, towards the one who was coming. He was the one, that was the important one. I think it's something that says something, speaks for something for our life too, that, uh, you know, it's not about me, it's not, a, it's not about myself, it really is about the other. It's about God. It's about Christ. And his whole mission was to point out the one, was to point out the one who was coming, to focus all that attention on Jesus. What happens, of course, in this martyrdom is, see, it seems from the outside that John the Baptist gets kind of caught in the middle of, uh, well, Herod, who doesn't, he's perplexed, he likes to hear what St. John the Baptist has to say, he, but at the same time he doesn't like it because it points right at the fact that he's married to uh, his, his brother Philip's wife and he shouldn't be, and yet he, he knows that uh, what John the Baptist is saying is true. So in a one way, he's like, he, doesn't, he doesn't want to hear the truth, but he does. And he has this, he's sort of conflicted within, which is why he says, you know, he liked listening to me, but he was quite perplexed. But it is really, it's, it's Herod's, uh, it's probably his sense of wanting to be honored and wanting to have the attention and admiration of others that sort of leads him to this dastardly deed of beheading St. John the Baptist. I remember our founder, Father James Flanagan, would tell this story. He was once speaking to a group of, of little kids, um, and it was, I think it was on this feast day, but he was presenting this problem that Herod encounters. He's in a real pickle because he has promised all of these things to this, this girl who's, done this, who's performed this dance, even to half his kingdom, and now he has to, of course, he, he's going to have to honor those oaths. But he says, what, he asked the children, he says, what would you do if you were in Herod's position? If you were in this, in this sort of, this had to make this decision. And one little kid said, well, I would say to the girl that John the Baptist is not in the half of the kingdom that I would give to you. <laughs> not only a child could come up with that, but, um, but he finds himself in this, in in this, in this conflict, and because of his oaths, because of his wanting to be admired and honored by others, he goes through with this uh, awful deed of beheading St. John the Baptist. I think it reminds us, too, that we, like, the, like in that first reading from the prophet Jeremiah, the Lord has given us the truth, and we, we should have that great confidence that we will be like that pillar of iron, that wall of brass, against all the falsehoods and lies that are out there today, and there are many. But we will not be crushed on, the, on their account. We will not be crushed by those who perpetuate these lies. We have that confidence 
John the Baptist will spur us on through his intercession and example to make sure that we hold firm to the truth, that we hold firm to the light, that the, the light will overcome, the truth will eventually be known. Let us have that confidence so when we are in that position where we have to speak up for the truth, we will realize that the Lord has not abandoned us. He will be there to deliver us. He will fight with us and for us. We only need to stay firm and stay truthful to Christ. Dear brothers and sisters, gathered as one to celebrate the good things we have received from our God, let us ask him to prompt in us prayers that are worthy of his hearing. Let us pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, for Michael, our bishop, and all the clergy, with the people entrusted to their charge, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for those who hold a public office and those who assist them in promoting the common good, that they would truly hear the truth resonating in their hearts and their souls, to listen to the deliberations of the Holy Spirit and all of their uh, thoughts and, and actions, we pray to the Lord. Lord hear Let us pray for those who travel by sea, land, or air. We pray for those who are captives and all who are held in prison. We pray for those who suffer persecution for their faith, that they would be in, anchored in that sure promise of the Lord, that those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness will inherit the kingdom of heaven. We pray to the Lord. Let's pray for all of us gathered in this sacred place by faith and devotion, by love and reverence for God, for the intention of those who are joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio, those who are enrolled in our Soul Mass Association. We pray to the Lord. Lord Let us pray on this memorial of the martyrdom of St. John the Baptist for a deep faith and strength in the truth that we may be great prophets, always pointing out the Lord in our life, in the lives of others, Stay faithful to Christ, we pray to the Lord. May the petitions of your church be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, so that we may receive from your mercy what we cannot ask out of confidence in our own merits. Through Christ our Lord. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands, will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you, fruit of the vine and work of human hands, will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands. 
praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. Through these offerings which we bring you, O Lord, grant that we may make straight your paths, as taught by that voice crying in the desert, St. John the Baptist, who powerfully sealed his teaching by the shedding of his blood through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. In his precursor, St. John the Baptist, we praise your great glory. For you consecrated him for a singular honor among those born of women. His birth brought great rejoicing, even in the womb he leaped for joy at the coming of human salvation. He alone of all the prophets pointed out the Lamb of redemption. And to make holy the flowing waters, he baptized the very author of baptism and was privileged to bear him supreme witness by the shedding of his blood. And so with the powers of heaven, we worship you constantly on earth and before your majesty without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Pleni Sunceli et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in Domine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it. For this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice. And once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith. 
Save us, Savior of the world, for by your cross and resurrection you have set us free. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. et divine institutione formati, audemus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, Sicut in cielo et in terra, Panem nostrum quotidianum, Da nobis hodie, Et dimite nobis debita nostra, Sicut et nos dimitimus, Debitoribus nostris, Et ne nos inducas in tentationem, Sed libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. With Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. 
only say the word and my soul shall be healed. John answered and said, He must increase, but I must decrease. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Let us pray. Grant, O Lord, as we celebrate the heavenly birth of St. John the Baptist, that we may revere for, for, what he, for what it signifies, the saving sacrament we have received, and even more, may rejoice at its clear effects in us, through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. Thanks be to God. Now thank we all our God with heart and hands and voices who wondrous things hath done in whom his world rejoices, who from our mother's arms hath blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love, and still is ours today. 
O may this gracious God through all The prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. This is the Holy Family Homeschool Group, and you're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. 